This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. This is Inside Story with Lee Chui Lin and Sharmila Ganesan. Tonight, the dangers of incendiary language, especially when politicians weaponize words. First, we'll be speaking with a political communications expert about today's ban on words like kafir and Zionist in Parliament. And then we want to hear from you. Simple one today. Uh, should politicians watch what they say? And in general, do you think being precise and careful with language is important? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U Mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, um, we spoke about this in Parliament. You would have just heard it at our 6 o'clock news bulletin as well. But essentially, this morning, Dewan Rakyat Speaker Tan Sri Johari Abdul announced a ban on MPs using words like kafir, Zionist and Yahudi or words equivalent to it in the Dewan Rakyat to refer to other MPs, essentially. Um, and this comes from a number of, at this point, very well-publicised spats that have happened within the August Hall. You call it spats, but really, I think drama is probably more uh, appropriate. Yes, and it's drama that has spilled outside. So I think yes. it's, it's a few things, right? Because it began in Parliament, but it's really much wider than that. Yes. So um, if you somehow happen to miss all the commotion, um, a couple of things that happened. Last Tuesday, an argument broke out between Pankalan Chippa MP Ahmad Marzukshari uh, from Prikata National and Ipo Timor MP Howard Lee. So um, Ahmad Marzuk claimed that Howard had wronged them by allegedly citing a Quranic verse in a provocative manner. And then Marzuk went on to basically call DAP kafir. That was one and then um, another incident happened on Wednesday, um, the 18th of October, where uh, Kota Malaka MP Kupwe Tiong cut off Pago MP Tan Sri Datuk Muhyiddin Yassin and brought up the case of his son-in-law, who's currently wanted by the MACC. And then Arau MP Datuk Sri Dr. Shahidan Kasim defended Muhyiddin and shouted out the words Yahudi among other words that we can't say on air. And then Pendang MP Datuk Awang Solahuddin Hashim interjected called Ku, uh, uh, well, and said Ku had a, quote-unquote, Zionist attitude. All of which to say it has brought us to today where the Speaker of the House, Johari, ruled that such words went against Standing Order 36, subsection 10, which prevents lawmakers from using words that are likely to promote feelings of ill will or hostility between the different communities in the Federation. He then cl clarified that the word Zionist can be used, but not toward any other lawmaker in the day one. Yes, of course, because they will continue to talk about things like how much aid to send Palestine. And it's yes. very difficult to talk about those things without using, um, well, frankly, just correct words in At reference what point to people. is it a game of taboo? Yes, that, so that's the thing, right? But um, I think the reason why we wanted to ensure that we're all on the same page here about why the ban has happened is because it's important to know the context in order to understand the, the purpose of the ban. Because frankly... Um, 
everything is pretty, I was going to say coded, but coded implies subtle and it's not subtle. Um, but I think at this point, we know that these words are coded words. Yes, they mean Jewish people. Yes, they can be in reference to um, settlers in Israel. But when they're used in the local context, they come with a very specific us versus them or um you know, accusations of anti-Muslim notions or behaviour, you know, just to call it what it is. And we've seen this sort of use of language happen so many times over the years. Of course, um, right now, tensions are running high and therefore, well, tensions are running high in the day one, tensions are running high worldwide. And therefore, the words maybe are even more loaded than usual. But really, um, this isn't the first time we've seen words like these get used. I think kafir in particular has one that has really entered popular parlance in, in recent months and is now being near constantly said. Um, you know, it's it's said all the time in reference to, well, disagreements on the internet. Um, it's said by political leaders of specific parties. You know, it so it's just there's a commonality to it. Yes, and you you said coded, you said loaded, and I actually think that's exactly it, right? Because uh, it's one thing to to call someone a slur or to use an outright bad word because that's a lot more easily um criticized and called out and said, oh, well, that's not acceptable. But on the other hand, it's when this sort of usage of terms that on the one hand are harmless or actually just describe a group of people. And then on the other hand, though, because of the way the person says it and the, the underlying uh, meaning and the intention, especially when a politician says it and then this person has followers who might then parrot those words, I actually, um, moving outside of the the, the August Halls themselves, um, I was thinking of words like pandatam and how they've become so loaded, right? And and used as a shorthand to refer to not just particular groups of people, but almost a certain concept and to kind of elicit a certain emotion towards people who are said to not belong. And a lot of times these words also do basically what the, what the speaker said, right? They create division. They create the sense of, uh, well, you and me are different and I'm going to use this phrase or term to signify that. I would go on to say that it's actually more troubling that pendatang is used so casually. But yes. um, that, that's something that we can continue to discuss. So anyway, let us know, should politicians watch what they say? <laughs> and in general, do you think that being really, you know, kind of precise, being more careful with our language, is that something that's important? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9. It is 6.15 and you're listening to Insight Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about being mindful of uh, weaponized words and incendiary language after the Dewan Rakyat speaker announced a ban on MPs using words like cafe, for example, or Yahudi um, to refer to one another in the Dewan Rakyat. But we are extending that beyond the hall and looking in general at how we use language. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. Should politicians watch what they say? And in in general, do you think that being precise and careful with language is important? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a uh, voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, joining us now to talk about this, we have Associate Professor Dr. Surinder Palko, Dean of the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics at University of Malaya. Dr. Surin, always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, so the words that have been banned from Parliament include 
Zionist, Kafe and Yahudi and their equivalents. Um, can you help us understand the weight these words carry in our local context? Uh, historically, what have you observed about the misuse of words like these? Um, the words Kafir, the word Yahudi and Zionist, they, they are pretty loaded words in our society, mainly because the words on their own are pretty neutral, but because there's the entire ideological connection to it, to the Israel-Palestinian conflict, to the, uh, to the, to the belief of, you know, the, the, the state uh, of uh, Palestine in, in, uh, in the Middle East. And of course, there's the anti-Semitic connotations as well. So these three words were, I mean, Sorry, obviously, Yahudi and uh, and uh, Zionists would carry a lot of politically charged connotations. I think we need to go back to what we have, what we call the literal word itself, which just means Zionist means, you know, um, believing in in the, the ideological movement for the support of a Jewish homeland. But that support is not available in Malaysia. And therefore, it's very ideological in that sense. Um, rightly so, because we have our own stance onto that. Where kafir is concerned, I think the word kafir is, um, it's used in theolo- uh, Muslim theology, and it's used to refer to non-believers. So if you look at the literal meaning, it is basically just that. Um, you know, but however, we, we need to look at it. It's just in a religious sense. However, these words carry connotative meanings. So in the context, it matters a lot. And it, in even the context, it's used derogatorily. It's used in a pejorative manner. It's used in a polarized manner. It can cause a lot of issues. So this ban comes, of course, after several politicians mm-hmm. used those words to label non-Muslim MPs in the day one last week. What is the impact of the misuse of words like these in a space like parliament, especially considering the current geopolitical tensions that, that we're facing? At the simplest level, I'd say it undermines the democratic process. Um, the democratic process, you know, where we have the parliament, there are parliamentary rules, there's codes of conduct, there is moderation, you know, there is um, debate, political debate, cross-party dialogues. When you weaponize language, and I don't like to use the word misusing language, I would want to call a spade a spade. You weaponize language. When you weaponize language, what happens is you undermine the entire democratic process by which parliament operates. So I think it's necessary. We we need to focus on, on um, respectful language, you know, and open robust democratic discourse where language is used in an open manner which is respectful at the same time and it's there are civ- it's civil obviously people can be taken to task for it uh, they can be schooled for 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 using language in a in a wep- uh, manner where it's weaponized to create polarization rather than to uh, have constructive open debate And the thing about the proliferation of language now is it happens very rapidly, right? Because um, someone says something in the morning and um, Mm. by the afternoon, in fact, by mid-morning, it will have spread like wildfire on social media. So how have we seen loaded language like this uh, used to shape narratives around controversial issues and influence public opinion, especially in the, the space we're all operating in now? Um, very often loaded language just focuses on 
creating bias, creating stereotypes. So when things are viral, right, what happens is they feed into the public memory, the public mem memory, which already has particular stereotypes, which already has particular biases. So in some cases, you would reinforce those stereotypes, reinforce those biases. But in other cases, you will find people challenging them because they probably take a diverse uh, you know, viewpoint and, and, and different kinds of viewpoints. So yes, it can sway public opinion. I mean, obviously, uh, on various matters, you know, certainly political campaigns, social issues, policy debates, um, using loaded load language can sway public opinion on that. But most of the time, the public often, when these words are concerned, where you want to use kafir or, or uh, Yahudi or Zionist, these words already come with baggage out there. And so the use of these words in very specific contexts, you know, uh, would reinforce those particular biases. And again, um, the issue is framed very specifically, and this is how it's understood out there um, by the, the politicians and by the public. And of course, this isn't the first time that words are being used to create this notion of an us and a notion of a them, right? I'm thinking, for instance, about how words like pendatang have, you know, from being a sort of fringe insult, have now come to become such a polarizing word to create that kind of division. How do you think this shapes the way people see each other? Um, for me, I mean, very often human beings tend to look at things in binaries, uh, black, white, you know, light, dark. Uh, words like this just reinforce those kinds of binaries, um, you know, when, especially if they're used in very polarizing ways. So I, I think um, I find it a very worrying thing. I find it, um, you know, it shows a lack of uh, sometimes critical thinking in people or even uh, a code of conduct, conduct that has, shows decorum um, when it comes to, say, parliamentary speakers, you know, people who speak in the parliament. Um, so I, I personally feel that, you know, um, focusing on decorum, avoiding personal attacks, having respectful civil discourse, that's important. We don't want to polarize people. We don't want to go out there and make sure that people are always having this us versus them uh, mindset. At the end of the day, we're all Malaysians. We all believe in very similar things. And we want to focus on something that moves the country forward, progresses the country. So it's perhaps a simplistic, simplistic thing to suggest that the way we speak is influenced by what we see our politicians doing or how well-known people use language, and yet it is something that we see. Um, what's actually happening here? Is it about being given permission to say the worst, or is it having words introduced to, into our vocabulary? What's going on? I think this is a two-way thing. These words are not just being introduced by the politicians. Politicians are just reiterating what's already out there in the public sphere. Right. However, being a politician, you have that added responsibility to use these words um, without having inciting particular kinds of emotive feelings in people. You know, um, so these words are already there in the public sphere. As I said, people have biases, people have stereotypes, people already have preconceived notions. And these words have been there for generations and they've already been formed in our psyche because we have already got certain ideological beliefs that we believe that we you know we 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 hang on to so it's not as if that it's politics that's creating these words in the psyche of people what's happening is this circular thing where you know uh, the words are already circulating, but the politicians using these words reinforces those ideological polarized views uh, rather than breaking down those views. So in this case, I would say it's not that they're creating it. What they're doing is reinforcing, but they're reinforcing the wrong thing. They should be reinforcing open dialogue. They should be reinforcing respectful discussions.
Now, in this specific case, of course, we saw a ban being put in place by the Speaker of the House. Mm. But in a larger sense, are actions like banning the right way to mitigate the use of these sorts of terms by politicians? What message does that send out to the public? I... I am completely against banning words like this. I think um, the very fact that we've got MPs, you know, parliamentary uh, representatives there means that they have that particular responsibility to school themselves. Here we have, you know, uh, somebody else in authority schooling them. Obviously, it is against the the code of conduct, right? The I think um, it's the 36C, uh, which words that are promoting feelings of ill will and hostility between communities and uh, things like that. However, um, we can censure them. We can say that this is not the words to use, but banning these words outright, I don't think that's very useful to the democratic process either because the impetus is on, uh, the onus really, is on the parliamentary MPs to school themselves, to use words responsibly, rather than having a day one right yet speaker coming down to them and say, hey, I'm like a headmaster, I'm telling you not to use these words. Obviously, the, the speaker has every right to 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 censure people to to tell them off for using these words, but outright banning them, I don't think that's very conducive. I mean, after all, parliamentary is a space for open debate, dem- democracy, and bans on words um, undermines that whole process. I think. So if we go back to what might be happening for people outside of the hall, right, in general, mm-hmm. um, words carry emotional weight. We know this to be true. And so for some people, especially if it's become normalised, as we are increasingly seeing, it might be hard for them to discern when language is being politically weaponized or even to accept that a word that used to be OK is not currently OK. Um, what advice do you have to counteract the misuse of these terms on a community level and for people to do maybe that kind of self-reckoning on their own? I think we can do a few things. Number one is always fact-checking, accountability. When somebody uses that particular word in a manner that is derogatory or pejorative, um, there should be someone fact-checking them, an ombudsman or someone fact-checking, giving accountability and and holding them accountable to this. The other thing is education and training. I mean, uh, talking about conflict resolution, respectful debate for parliamentarians, um, it, it it improves. I think what it comes down to is communication skills and um, focusing on a culture of constructive dialogue. The public will see that as well. And if the public also sees a lot of these kinds of literacy programs, whether it's media literacy program or political literacy program um, and, and initiatives that that are that 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 focus on respectful language, you know, um, I think the public will be able to discern what is. Um, acceptable use and what is not acceptable use. And in this case, I think there should be a lot of public engagement. Um, you know, when you have public discussions in parliament, parliament, um, it sh- it's definitely should be open to public opinion, which can influence the, the behavior of our lawmakers in parliament. We have about two minutes left. What sure. would you like to leave us with? Uh, I would like to leave everyone with an, with the idea that, um, you know, yeah, words can be emotive, but they're only emotive if we give them emo- uh, that, that particular power. So if we give them that power, then they're obviously going, are going to mean something very really divisive or polarized and things like that. But um, we give in to that. I think we need to look at words in a more neutral manner and say, you know, I don't agree with the way you're using that particular word. I think this is how I should, I mean, it should be used. And uh, let's go with a constructive dialogue on that. 
Dr. Maybe I'm being idealistic. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that that idealism, a little bit of idealism is probably uh, I good. I think we could all use <laughs> <the> some. <moment. laughs> uh, Dr. Sarin, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're most welcome. Bye-bye. That was Associate Professor Dr. Surinder Palkor, Dean of the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics at University Malaya, weighing in on, um, it's a few things, weighing in on the weaponizing of words. Uh, and this is coming specifically because the Dewan Rakyat speaker, Tansri Johari Abdul, uh, announced today a ban on MPs using words like kafe, Zionist and Yahudi, or words equivalent to that, to refer to each other, which is a really um, disappointing teacher way thing to have to do frankly and that's a result of some outbursts that have happened in parliament recently so let us know um, we are asking you what you think should politicians watch what they say in general uh, do you think being precise and careful with language is important does it matter to you that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. you can tweet us at bfm radio and you can send us a voice note or whatsapp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. bole for malaysia ha BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we are talking about words. It's only words and words are all we have. <laughs> to take our breaths away. Because the thing is that there has been a ban on uh, MPs specifically using words like cafe, Zionist and Yahudi or words equivalent to that to refer to each other in the Day One Rakyat. And this is something the Speaker has put in place as a natural follow-on of recent arguments that have spilled... Well, actually, some of them began outside, right? Like the Howard Lee situation actually yes. began outside. Uh, but the point is um, a variety of disagreements between MPs that have resulted in them shouting these words at each other in the hall. So we want to hear from you. Um, should politicians watch what they say? And in general, do you think being precise and careful with language is important? And we're asking that second part because it's not just politicians who are at fault. We see this happen everywhere. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start off on this side of things actually with a voice note that came in from Lynn. I think it definitely goes without saying that the politicians do need to watch what they say because all these words will be picked up by, you know, um, people on social media, the young people and saying like, yeah, you know, this so-and-so MP, so-and-so politician are already saying things like this. Um, what is the precedent that they are setting? What kind of example are they setting for the younger people or even for the normal people out there who might, you know, um, resort to using these kind of words openly since, hey, it's being used in the parliament. Is it a, a acceptable precedent now to use it in a normal conversation? And on top of that, we as Malaysians, we definitely have something that, you know, we are trained inherently to have something called Budi Bahasa. Or has that been entirely forgotten? Lynn, thank you so much for sending through that voice note. And actually listening to that and looking out the window, frankly, um, has just reminded me to say, I hope everybody knows I always think this, but today's weather, I think, feels like a good time to actually say it out loud. Please drive carefully. Please be safe on the roads. Um, it's, it's looking rough out there. Uh, but to go back to Lynn's point, it's so true, right? I mean, this is exactly what we're trying to get at, really. It is actually very ironic because 
it's true. Um, not just are we trained to have buddhi bahasa, we're actually constantly told that we are a very well-behaved society, that we prize politeness and, and manners. And yet, certainly when you hear the way some MPs speak to each other in parliament, outside parliament, that you may be forgiven for thinking that that wasn't the case at all. Okay, so I, to me, the thing that um, you're talking about here, Lynn, in terms of the precedent and, and what it says, I, I think that um, our guest earlier, Dr. Surin, um, if you heard, said that it's kind of a self-fulfilling cycle. It's a back and forth at this point because you, on the one hand, a politician saying it now means that, oh, everybody can say it. So that's one. But then the other side of it is, and actually this is part and parcel of the live stream thing, you know, the um, because live streams have also been banned in parliament, right? And we were speaking about that in terms of who are the live streams for. And I think that there is something about playing to the gallery. So if you think your gallery wants you to use these sorts of language, the, this these sorts of words, then you keep doing it. You say it more often. Then people get more normalised. People feel more comfortable calling for you to say it more often and so it goes on the normalizing of certain words that otherwise people wouldn't think were okay to say is, is, is real, right? We've seen it happen with Donald Trump and, and the usage of certain words which went from being dog whistles to being outright just calls for uh, disruption and bringing down the government. We've seen it with uh, politicians like um, Yogi Adityanath in India who uh, uses particular, very particular terms to imply that, you know, other minorities don't have the same rights. So it isn't new. And, and you know, the normalizing is something that we should be watchful about. Um, going back to the point about language, um, Azami says, yes, one should be careful with one's words, YB or otherwise. We used to be proud because Bahasa Jiwa Bangsa. Nowadays, one is shameless and could care less. Dennis, echoing the same point, saying, the Malay language combined with the English have millions of words. I'm pretty sure those learned MPs should have been able to find the right words to use in Parliament. So, why use hurtful words in language? It only belittles the beauty of both languages. Be objective in Parliament, please. Yeah, um, so... I go back to what our guest uh, earlier said as well, that this is not the misuse of language. The, I, I would even go so far as to say that in some cases, it does feel like a purposeful use of language. It, it's it's meant to injure. And um, and that's why the words chosen are very loaded ones, are ones that um, they know come with very specific connotations for the people that they're speaking to. I, I'd like to put up or rather discuss a separate point of view though from Zainul who says, what about calling others religious extremists, Taliban, penunggang agama? It seems a normal thing as well. It's okay. Nothing disrespectful, is it? And I think this is a very good point in the sense of um, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, that if we're going to talk about hurtful words, then we need to talk about all the hurtful words. Um, but Zainal, a couple of things that I, I wanted to uh, just address. So firstly, I think nobody is saying nothing disrespectful, um, first and foremost, because mm. we are definitely in agreement that some of, I, I think randomly calling people Taliban just because you disagree with them or you think that um, they're, they're coming at it from a religious perspective is just wrong and, and very hurtful. Um, but I do want to draw a distinction between what's happening um outside of parliament and within because we are talking about use of language in general but the ban is actually in parliament 
And not just um, the ban or no ban, there is also a distinction to be made between leaders and politicians using these words as a way to create certain impressions or to paint opposition members or um, communities in a certain way, right? Um, and, and and I agree that, that this sort of disrespectful language uh, particularly if we're talking about someone in a position of power speaking down to people or using it to incite a certain kind of behavior shouldn't be uh, acceptable across the board. Um, the Taliban example is actually a really good one. Even throwing out words like extremist uh, just because you view someone as being uh, spiritual or religious, I agree it's disrespectful. But actually who's doing the saying is important as well. Uh, I would also, I think at this point, like to point out that uh, the problem the thing also is that if somebody calls you a cafe and then you call them a Taliban, where does that get anybody? This <laughs> because... is exactly it. And this is the social media problem, right? Yeah. Like in the end, the prop, the point gets lost and it's just a thread of people calling each other names. So our guest earlier didn't agree with the ban. Um, saying that instead it should be censure, right? That there should be some form of disciplinary action, but not an outright ban. Um, and I... Because I, on principle, agree with that. I think that in general, I'm not for the banning of words or books or, or films. Um, but I think that if we look at this, hey, you're a this, well, you're a that um, kind of approach that happens not just online, but frankly, in the day one, um, that you might see maybe a reason for why there needed to be a ban, because otherwise, frankly, no work would get done. Uh, so tell us, we are building on the story that the Dewan Rakyat speaker today announced a ban on MPs using words like kafe, Zionist and Yahudi within the Dewan Rakyat to refer to one another or to call one another. And we're asking you, should politicians watch, watch what they say? And also because we do see a trickle-down effect, right? We see people then feeling okay about using these words too. Do you think being precise and careful with language is important? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.48 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we are talking about the power of words, especially when they are used in really hurtful and frankly weaponized ways. And this is coming as the Dewan Rakyat Speaker, Tan Sri Johari Abdul, has announced a ban within Parliament for MPs to call each other things like kafe, Zionist and Yahudi, um, including words equivalent to that. And we're talking both about that specific situation as well as what it's says more broadly about our society and the way we've become a bit comfortable with using words that are hurtful to other communities. So let us know, should politicians watch what they say? And in general, is being precise and careful with language important? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's look at actually the people referring specifically to politicians because and and the approach that was taken here. Madhav says, I'm fine with the ban because it's not a blanket ban of the words. And let's be honest, they don't usually sound like adults. They kind of require the headmaster approach. I remember one day they were acting like hooligans while school children were invited to witness debate. Uh, Nick is saying the same thing. Can't control monkeys to follow rules? Might as well ban those words and save precious time from shouting matches. Some real resignation going on in these messages, sir. Huh? 
Yes, but also um, I think judging from truly the amount of time that has been spent recently or in general in Parliament on um, incoherent Tarik Balik comes to mind, you know, just, yes, just sort and of the diam, yelling. the diam, diam, diam from yeah. the speaker. Um, oh. So considering all that, I think um, I, I don't begrudge the speaker and attempt to save his and our time, um, you know, just all of that. Um, Fadzli, though, says this might be an oversimplification, but it's in barely a hundred years that a man in Germany rose to power on the strength of strength of his oratory, among other things, and ultimately orchestrated the specific mass murder of 11 million people, the same people um, who have now the same people whom the words banned in our parliament concern. Words have power. People in power should be even more careful with theirs. Your guest said the speaker took a headmaster approach to handling this matter. Frankly, I think our MPs need more stick to behave. Honestly, anytime someone thinks using the name of a community as a, as a negative word, we're already in really difficult territory, right? Like, that isn't acceptable by any standards. Yeah, um... Uh, yeah, frankly, Roberto is pointing out discipline, but taking it from the school to the house, <laughs> saying, um, I guess sometimes a kind of fatherly figure should be considered, just like when children or siblings fight in spaces where uh, in spaces where people, regardless of their position, do not know how to behave in a mature manner. As a politician, there's a lot of pressure coming their way. They need to fulfill for their constituencies and voters, at the same time defend the groups that supported them to reach the point where they are. Ultimately, language matters, more so in a highly emotional setting like Parliament is, due to the interesting nature of the discussions in it. Certainly, one could expect better behaviour and, appro- and appropriate use of language from a parliamentarian. Roberta, you bring up so many good points, right? The fact that some of this isn't even perhaps, um, that, that some of this is performative, that some of this is is signalling a certain sort of behaviour or attitude or position to their supporters, that some of this is really the fact that they know people are listening. Um, and, and all of that Again, I'm also not a fan of the notion of bans, perhaps. But maybe in this case, the fact that the speaker decided to put it in place does mean that there'll be less of that kind of grandstanding and performance going on. I also appreciate, Roberto, your um, the precision of you pointing out that Parliament is a very um, emotional setting. It shouldn't be. Um, by right, it should not be. By right, it should be a space where people come and cool-mindedly debate policy with no ulterior motives or interest. Uh, We know that that's not the case. Um, We know that that performative nature also means that there is that that quality of, of emotion that we simply can't seem to can't seem to get out of. So that is a problem. I don't really know how to address it. We have, let's see, James saying, on language, a politician's responsibility in the ban in parliament, as our reps in the house and also public people, they have a responsibility to use language precisely with thought and no ill will. I do believe each of us should not be stopped from sharing our thoughts and ideas, but this liberty comes with the need to appreciate that language carries meaning. Powerful words rarely lose their bad history or ill intent, even more so when bad actors choose to use them over and over again. James goes on with other points, actually, um, but I, I think which we'll come back to. But I love the point about bad actors using over and over again, because in some ways, that's exactly what we are talking about. We do also have a caller with us. Um, I believe we've got Kelvin on the line. Kelvin, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening to you too. Uh, essentially, uh, my thought is that uh, it is very critical that Malaysia portrays a very positive image to the world. 
and um, parliament is a very important part of our institution and therefore uh, since it's being live telecast as well the whole world is looking and they're laughing at us so in order to save our face in, inter internationally i suppose uh, it is very important that um, uh, the and we agree with the speaker that uh, some sort of decorum has to be there and some words has to be very clearly uh, defined because uh, some of them can have international repercussions yeah so and therefore i think most of the if you take a poll i think most of the um, uh, malaysian public will agree that what the speaker is uh, doing is correct there's no need for all this kind of a name calling and to embarrass malaysia as a whole and bring down our, our name in, in the international circuit yeah yep that's it Kelvin, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. Um, I mean, the consensus at the moment certainly seems to be a fair amount of um, a fair amount of, if not outright disgust, certainly displeasure, and also a, a, a bit of if they can't behave, then maybe this is just what's needed to keep them in line. You know, if anything, you should be embarrassed, not you. No, this is not this you, Charmila. Yeah, I know. know. Well, I, I am secondhand embarrassment is a thing, but no, I, I that's exactly what I'm saying that. MPs should be embarrassed that this needed to be exercised at all. I am. <laughs> I am. I feel like they should be. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. We'd like to hear from you. Should politicians watch what they say? As some words have now found themselves on a banned list, specifically for MPs calling each other those names in the day one rakyat. Um, and since we're seeing a spillover effect here, do you think that for us in society, in community, being careful with what we say, with our language, is that also important? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. And now, just for fun, uh, we've got Meatloaf with You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth, BFM 89.9. Business, finance and music, BFM 89.9. It is 7.08 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila, the recap edition, because uh, this is what we're talking about today. The Dewan Rakyat speaker, Tan Sri Johari Abdul, had to announce a ban for MPs on using words like kafe, Zionist and Yahudi, not in general, but against each other um, in the Dewan Rakyat. This also um, means words that are equivalent to these words. And I think this is in many ways an acknowledgement of a few things. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that these are phrases that have been increasingly seen as hurtful and harmful and can cause division. Um, but it's also a result of outbursts and commotions and arguments that have been happening both within the hall and also outside of it. So we wanted to know what your thoughts are. Should politicians watch what they say? And because this is also a societal problem, do you think that being precise and careful with language does that matter to you? Is it something you try to practice? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, I think let's start actually with a voice note that came in from Johnny. Hello, BFM. The parliamentarians are called YB Young Berhomat. That means the respectable one. So please don't use those harsh words and that will become harsh speech or hate speech. And what will their followers think? The followers will use the same harsh words and harsh speech and hate speech and what will happen to the society? Thank you. 
Thank you, Johnny. Um, I think chaos is the answer to your question. I mean, hopefully not. But but you're right that the this is we keep using the word normalization, and I, I'm mm. not sure there is a more appropriate word. Really, it just gets normalized. People get used to it. No, yes, people get used to it. It also, as actually you said it earlier, right? It gives people uh, permission to push the boundaries and to kind of say, well, if they can say it, if they can say it in parliament, then why can't I say it? Not just on social media behind an anonymous handle, but maybe the next time to someone's face in a public setting. Um, So I'm interested in this from MJ who says, social media is using these terms already. Politicians should be an example and set themselves above these bullying terms and call out their constituents too. set the rules or ban them. And this is interesting because um, this gets at that intersection of what we're trying to talk about between the world of parliament, uh, the world of social media and real life. No, completely. Um, But on the flip side of that is whether politicians are even thinking about this as one of their responsibilities, right? Because, and I, 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 okay, selfishly, I've been wanting to read this from Ro, uh, but I will connect it to a, to a more serious point. So Ro says, I think those in parliament should just stick to the tried and tested. Nah, 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 nah. I know you are, and what am I? And just pull faces by twisting ears and sticking tongues out. To which I just wanted to say, are they actually interested in elevating conversation and making points? Or are they just there to call each other names and put on a performance? Sometimes with some MPs, it's actually not clear. No, and um, it, actually Johnny, MJ, Roe, well, Roe to a lesser degree, um, I think all making the point that unless, so some of it is us as well, right? Um, if it, it depends on what we expect from our parliamentarian. If you want if you get ashamed when your parliamentarian behaves badly and you tell them so, then that's one thing. But if your parliamentarian behaves badly and you egg them on because they're saying the thing that you'd like them to say, but that typically should go unspoken, but you're like, yeah, have the bravery to say it. That's right. Call them that. Um, then it's different. Then then the entire game is different. It's also about, okay, see, I am actually willing to accept that some topics can be very emotive. Uh, And parliamentarians are also people who have strong beliefs and stand by certain causes. So the thing is, though, is the only way to push back at someone who has uh, pushed you or pushed your buttons or hurt you to use words like these? And then what does that say about the kind of person or the representative you are? I've been waiting to read this from Anon who says, when we say the pen is mightier than the sword or words are like eggs, uh, one spoken, one's broken, um, just these two proverbs already show the importance of words used. So let's not pretend otherwise. We're fooling no one but ourselves. I've always been against the so-called liberty <laughs> loud in parliaments in the world. Kudos to the speaker for laying down the rules. So, so far we haven't actually heard from anybody except our guest who was really not for the ban. Um, most people, I think, uh, I think it reflects a level of exhaustion with the kind of discourse we see. But Anon goes on to say, by the way, I was a former kafir. Can anyone guess how I feel whenever I hear it said, even though it's not towards me? Sometimes people simply open their mouths to insult others and also themselves. I don't think I could say it any better. Um, I, I mean, the only point that I would maybe not completely be on the side of is that of banning of words. But I also understand and and perhaps in this case even see that within the context of parliament standing orders that it might maybe be necessary. Uh, I feel the need again to emphasize that the calling, that the words is not a... Um 
it's not a general ban. In in other yes. words, you can still use these words to talk about things related to these words factually. Um, what you cannot do is use them as name-calling. So the ban is quite specific in that regard. So I, I just felt the need to re-emphasize that before we go down a freedom of speech spiral. Um, we have also this... Actually, before that, I wanted to ask you, Sharmila... Um, you and I, obviously, for a living, have to be careful with what we say. So so maybe our position is a little different. Um, but I think just as is the case with almost anybody, well, no, not almost, with everybody in the world, I, I would think, um, at some points you use the wrong word or at mm-hmm. some point you, you misspeak or... Um, you say something that you didn't know was was hurtful. So I think of something like uh, gypsy. Um, and I grew up saying that, you know, um, I grew up saying things like, well, that person gypped me. Um, and I think it was a very common thing. Um, I'm assuming for many people, actually, that's still particularly in our part of the world, it's not necessarily seen as a problematic word. And I remember the first time I found out that it was not okay and I felt my stomach burn. And I wonder whether people... Do we not all have that reaction of shame? Because it doesn't feel like we do increasingly. Oh, um, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, very recently I actually had this experience. When I was in school, um, the word, I I can say the word because it actually is a word for a community of people. So the indigenous community or the Orang Asli community, the Jakun community. Yes. um, When I was in school, it was used as as an insult. It was used as a a word with a bad meaning. It's used by teachers. Yes. Yeah, it's not just by students to each other. Um, And so very recently, in fact, I was with a group of friends whom I went to school with and therefore sometimes we slip into language that we used to use back in school and one of us said it. And and then immediately I felt myself recoil a little bit and I was put in this position of, should we have the conversation? Should I say that maybe? Um, and ultimately we did and we all felt kind of good about ourselves for recognizing it, but also ashamed. Exactly that that shameful feeling that you said, right? And I think these are processes that we need to keep doing. Everyone goes through this education process, uh, but not if you think that it's okay to use words like that. You know, I I think actually the normalizing, like you said, of by a teacher, by a a leader, by a parent, uh, actually prevents that process of re-education from happening. So I bring this up not necessarily just to share our personal experience, actually. I I wanted only to make the point that we need to be, it's very easy to bag on politicians. I've been doing this show a long time now. Mm. It, it's it's very easy, right? Um, it's very easy for us all to point at people in parliament and say that they're very different to us or they don't represent us. But um, it is a larger problem than that. It, 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 they didn't even begin it, I would argue. It's exactly why I was talking earlier about emotions running high, because it is entirely possible uh, that the, the parliamentarians use words like those because they are upset or because something has riled them up. But I think even at those moments, it is important for us to recognize what words we are going to say and maybe what words we are prone to defaulting to. Uh, well, just to close off on this side of things, Franz uh, says, words used are important. It is called having high EQ, <laughs> which I appreciate. I Yes, I mean, words are important. It's it's the way that we convey what's in our heads.
So, all of which to say we want to know, uh, do you think that being precise and careful with language is important? And as an extension of that, and part of what we've been talking about all day, should politicians watch what they say, particularly in the context of Parliament? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Building fit Malaysians, BFM. 89.9. It is 7.19 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about some words getting banned in Parliament for MPs to refer to one another. Uh, these words include Zionist, Yahudi, Cafe. Obviously, uh, things that are loaded both in the local context and increasingly also in light of the... Uh, in light of the atrocities that are happening in Palestine. So we'd like to hear from you. Um, do you think that being careful with language is important? Does it matter to you? And should politicians watch what they say? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a voice note that came in from TIDJ. So I was called a Zionist back in school in 1999 when I was 14 years old. I didn't know what it meant back back then and I didn't quite care about it. But yeah, calling people this kind of names is it's such a normalized thing in Malaysia and it's a very, I don't know, it's a very uncivilized. So I do expect our parliamentarians to at least, um, you know, set an example, behave accordingly because I swear it's like, it seems every year uh, the parliamentarians are becoming more like monkeys than anything else. TIDJ, thank you for that. Um, I'm not sure the parliamentarians would thank you, but but we thank you for sending that through. Um, the monkey comparison has come through a lot. We'll return to that. But I think the the normalisation and, and the mention of school, I think, is interesting because we are talking about it as if it's an adult problem, right? As if this is something that happens only um, in the context of parliament or um, social media or whatever it might be. But in fact, it's something that because of the normalization happens very early on. Actually, I was thinking about it um, in the opposite way, that the mention of school is interesting because surely we expect better than playground behavior from our parliamentarians. And yet it seems like actually what they need is a principle to put down the law. I also just want to say justice for monkeys. I'm sorry, yeah. but DIDJ, Nick, um, we have a message from Munif <laughs> comparing them to Bonobos. You know, I find primates and apes largely to be lovely until you provoke them. Unlike some politicians, that's all I want to leave it at. Bonobos are very intelligent. I think everybody exactly. knows this. I just feel like defending them as Let's well. not insult the primates and the apes. That's um, all I'm saying. So Munif, as we've already said, made a comparison and then goes on to say they should conduct themselves better. Uh, 90% of the divide, injustice and discrimination felt by the Rakyat has come courtesy of the words of politicians. And minding your language is basic human decency anyways. Unless I was indeed wrong about them not being bonobo monkeys. Again, great species, very friendly. This is me editorialising. <laughs> um, no, I I mean, look, I, I feel like this thing of conduct yourself better comes up so often. Um, and I think it's partly because what we want is to see policies being made. What we want is to see our representatives representing us. It might make for great streaming or TV to watch them yell at each other. It is funny. We clip it. We admit it. But 
it's not productive. Oh, uh, sorry. I realize I've spent this entire time thinking that everybody was pro-ban, but James is not. Um, so James earlier made, made a larger point. And then also goes on to say that um, to use is one matter, but to rob some of language is another. Um, and then goes on to talk about some words that have been banned for other reasons. Notwithstanding all of the above, I do believe strongly that the house should be a venue for fluid and open discussion without fear of reprimand, uh, where a word or phrase is found to be an insult or in a derogatory manner use the tools of the house. Um, refer these politicians to the privileges community, but banning certain words rather than addressing unacceptable conduct hinders the efficacy of the house. Oh, interesting. Um, I might be on your side, James. I actually think that um, as long as it's not a time waster, which which I'm thinking is also the other thing that like the speaker would have to think about, is this just going to be a waste of time to refer someone to the to the censure uh, process when we can just say, can we please just tone it down? Well, um, Sufian says uh, says politicians are supposed to be leaders; they need to be good role models to the public. Plus, those words are meant to harm. No good will ever come of it. Everybody will be yelling tarik balik, and then no job will be done. <laughs> Yes, Tariq Malik. The, um, yeah, it's, um, I, I think this is becoming way too common. No, um, but then, then there's a wider conversation we need to have about why they feel they can behave that way, no? Yes. Um, again, I go back to, I think a lot of it is signaling. A lot of it is performance. Because realistically, if what we're saying... Uh, so Bong, for example, says, I don't think the word is the problem, but how it's used. Does it mean by banning the words, it'll prevent the way some politicians attack one another, um, I think it's not the it's not beneficial. And it is true. So I think the point here is that they're not going to stop attacking each other. They're going to keep doing it. Um, but hopefully they do it in a way that is less racially loaded that then doesn't emerge out into the public and cause, um, and cause problems. I, I think that is the thinking here. I mean... There can be a sharp and pithy retort about policymaking that, that, you know, gets everyone riled up and going and also demanding for equal rights and better treatment of people. That's the kind of insult I want to hear in Parliament. Not this kind of playground nonsense. Lok says, kinabatangan, naf said. <laughs> Sorry, I felt like that was appropriate after your <laughs> impassioned cry for better, <laughs> better discourse. It, indeed it was. <laughs> uh, meanwhile... Okay, who else do we have? Um, I think we can close off with a few more. Let's do this from KJ who says, All parties are claiming they always respect and defend royal institutions. We have never seen such shouting match or insightful language brought up when um, the YDPA graces the official opening of Parliament. But don't forget that the that the symbol is always placed in the August House, regardless of whether the Agong is present or not. Uh, followed by, should National Service be revitalised, please consider sending these disrespectful MPs as the first batch of <laughs> trainees. They seem to be good material to fight for the country. I mean, I mean, that's not a bad suggestion. I mean, if we're talking about National Service being about unity and discipline... There are some people, I think, who could use some of that, right? There are so many suggestions for where we could send disrespectful MPs. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's show. <laughs> what should we do with them? <laughs> no, no, I jest. Please don't send us suggestions. Stephen says, politicians need to be diplomatic and educated. They should refrain from denigrating each other with pejorative remarks and to debate with polish and decorum. Otherwise, it's an affront to the choice of candidates and a poor reflection of the August House. And actually, it's that point about the affront to the choice of candidates that struck me, uh, Stephen, that really, I mean, the reason this stings so badly is if 
it was your rep and you voted them in, or maybe even worse, it was your rep whom you didn't vote in but ended up there anyway. So, all of which to say we want to know, do you think that being precise and careful with language is important? And as an extension of that, and part of what we've been talking about all day, should politicians watch what they say, particularly in the context of Parliament? That number to call is 7733-2900. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.